welcome to Tour of Truth with Kristen Company, and today's company is Karina Samayoa, Mary Cochran, and Barbara Emerson. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. Have you ever prayed for one thing and received something else? Yes. Yes. What comes to mind when I think of that question, that country song? I thank God for all the <laughs> prayers. Something like that. You know, I won't do the karaoke here for you. Tell us more. I do thank God for unanswered prayers. Sometimes we ask amiss. We might be praying for something and with our whole hearts, not understanding why God is not answering this prayer. But at the end of the day, God has the perspective of eternity. And the things that we are asking him for sometimes just aren't lining up with his good and perfect will for us. What I've learned in my walk with the Lord is that's what I want. I want his good and perfect will. There's a story from Mark 2, and it's the story of four friends who brought their crippled friend to Jesus to be healed. And because of the large crowd, they opened a hole in the roof of the house. Could you imagine? (laughs) Your friends climbing up, (laughs) pounding a hole in the roof, like tearing it apart, to lower the man down in front of Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw him, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And there's a really wonderful truth that Henry Blackaby pointed out in our study this week, and that was that the four men wanted their friend to receive physical healing, but Jesus forgave the man's sins. They asked for one thing, which would have been temporary, but Jesus wanted to make the man a child of God for eternity, so he granted the request differently than what they were looking for. And sometimes God answers our prayers in ways that we might not understand, but as we learn to trust him, we see that he has eternity in mind for us. And that's the greater blessing over most anything that we could ask for. Only the Holy Spirit knows what God is doing or purposing in our lives. Amen. And I'm grateful for that because then I can trust that whatever he allows, it went through his loving hands first. Exactly. First Corinthians 2 verses 10 through 12 say, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The Spirit of God knows the mind of God, and we have to, like you said, Karina, learn through our relationship with God to trust the Spirit of God, to trust that His will and His ways are higher than ours. And even though we're not getting what we want, we can trust and know that if we have to wait on the Lord, He's doing something in our lives. That makes me think of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if I trust Him and I'm praying and my circumstances are not what I think they should be or what I've prayed for, I can still choose to thank Him because this is God's will for me right now because He is in control. I am His child. I am walking with him and I can trust that what he has allowed is for my good and for his glory so then I can rejoice well it's kind of like when Jesus was in the garden before he went to the cross he had prayed father if it is possible let this cup of suffering be taken away from me and then he said but I want your will to be done not mine so thank God that he didn't take that cup of suffering away from Jesus right he made sure that his will was done because he was to be glorified in that and we all became children of God through that sacrifice we can let God know what we desire and what we would like to see happen but we can also finish that with but I want your will to be done because we know that your will is always good even if it's something that's seemingly bad like going to a cross that can seem terrible but the end result was wonderful we're in this process of sanctification 
through the Word of God, by His Spirit in us, we need to pray for God to help us to want His will to be done. We want that transformation in our heart as well to where we line up with those things of God that He desires for us. I want that to be my desire. You know, I don't want to just say it. I really want that to be my heart. So then maybe that's the first prayer we should pray. It's like, Lord, change my heart. Change my desires. Help me want what you want. And that is why Philippians 2.13 is one of my all-time favorite scriptures as well, because it says that God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. And that is a great illustration of how the process of sanctification is working. He is working in us. And so it's equipping us and enabling us to do the things he's called us to do. We touched on, you know, times when God is silent. And sometimes God is silent. Do you remember a biblical person who had a problem like that? Job. Oh, yes. Mary, gold star. (laughs) Mary, Mary, always getting the gold star. Yes. And so Job, his friends and his counselors told him that all of his problems were caused by sin. But Job claimed that wasn't the problem. Job didn't know all God was doing in his life at that time, which obviously had a huge impact on God's purposes for using Job as an example to us in the Bible. But Job didn't understand that at the time. And his counselors were wrong about him when they said, maybe you've sinned. God had another reason for his silence. So when God is silent, I believe that the first First thing we should do is we should check our heart and we should confess. You know, we see this in the Bible that we should confess any unrepented sin because there is scripture that says he won't hear us when we are cherishing wickedness in our hearts. So we do need to check our hearts first. And, and we see that Job actually did that as well. But when you know that you're on good terms, then we should pray and we should ask the Lord to help us understand his silence. And I love that Henry Blackaby pointed that out in this week of the study. That was valuable for me. I don't think I've ever considered actually just asking the question. Lord, help me understand why you're silent. We can look for all of the reasons God might be silent, but I am in this relationship where I can actually just ask him. And also talking about Job and the reasons why he didn't know for such a long time what God's plan was and God was silent. But Blackaby talks in this chapter about the story of Lazarus. That is a completely different reason why God was silent. His refusal and silence were not a rejection because Jesus was away with the apostles somewhere else and Lazarus was sick and his sisters kept calling for Jesus to come to heal him. But Jesus, he was far away. He didn't respond. He didn't come right away and he could have come to heal him, but he didn't. He waited until he was actually dead and he was already in the tomb. So Lazarus had been dead for four days. So the greater revelation of himself could be revealed through the circumstances. So he raised Lazarus from the dead because he wanted them to experience him as the resurrection and the life. Exactly. In verse 40 of John 11, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then he also said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So many people believed in God, believed in Jesus, that God has sent him because of this miracle. He had a purpose. He had a purpose for delivering delaying the request for delaying the answer and sometimes he does that for us he delays the answer because he is working something in us in that journey of waiting and the response is going to bring him more glory and it will grow our faith i've had times where god has been silent and what i've experienced personally is he's testing my faithfulness Mm -hmm. will i still get up to meet with him will i still read his word will i still love and serve him even when you don't feel 
heal him. If I'm believing what he says, that he says that he will never leave me or forsake me, then even when I don't feel him, I'm choosing to trust that promise. Right. And then I start hearing him again. I think it's, you I know, it's, it's going to be different. Your faith. I yes. think it's an opportunity for spiritual growth. I think yes. it's where God is taking you as a believer to a new place of maturity. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it's not to prove it to God, it's to prove it to yourself. Yes. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And I stand on that promise often in times of silence and also in times of confusion over my circumstances, because I know that at the end of the day, he has shown me throughout my life, regardless of what it looks like, he is there. He has seen me through time and time again. That is a place where I would want to encourage someone listening, because sometimes people read the Bible as if it were a book. And that's where our testimony comes in, where it's so important. I was talking with someone that struggled with their belief and really they had scoured the scriptures. He knew the Bible very well and he had all kinds of arguments scientifically for this and for that, but you can't argue with someone's testimony. It's more than words on a page and it has become alive in my life and here's what the Lord has done for me. And so I just think that it's so important sometimes for us to share how God speaks to us, what God has done for us, to share our personal stories so that others can hear it. That's where the light bulb can come on sometimes. Yes. where somebody and faith can, comes by hearing yes. and hearing mm-hmm. the word of God, and especially if it's come alive in somebody's life. And when we learn to look at our circumstances through the lens of God's perspective, it really helps us to stay in total peace, regardless of the storm. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I know many of you know that I've recently lost my daughter who's 18 years old, and it was tragic, devastating in my life. And I have to tell you, I really don't know how anyone could go through something like that without a relationship with God. I would be a total basket case. But the exact opposite is true for me today. I have total peace. And it's not because I didn't care about my daughter. I loved her with all of my heart. It kills me to think of what happened. God has done a work in my heart to sustain me. And that is the peace that passes all understanding. And these scriptures become real in our lives. That's when it becomes real. Yes. And God's perspective is vital because when storms come, not if they will come, but when they come, because the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them. He delivers them out of all of them. In Psalms 34, 19, we see that. Even though we're going to go through the storms, he promises that he'll deliver us if we keep our hearts on him. It may not happen in the time you expect it to, but he promised to deliver you. Yes. (laughs) Well, because he is at work, you know, because a lot of times we have a difficult time and it's easy to say, why is this happening to me? And with all that is happening, we don't know what God's perspective was. You know, although Job experienced immense loss and tragedy, he also didn't know that in the end that God would restore his family, his property and his health. Job's friends, they thought they had God's perspective and they told him to confess his sin, but Job didn't have any unrighteousness to confess. So if we didn't have the last chapter in the book of Job, whose side do you think that you'd be on? God or Job's? We would really probably think that God was being cruel to Job. When we look at God from our circumstances, we will always have a distorted understanding of him. Right. At the beginning of Job, in Job 1, verse 21, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So even at the beginning, he was already trusting that God knows what he was doing. He was firmly planted firmly. in the truth. We come in here into this world with nothing, and we're going to leave with nothing. What happens in between has to be trusting him. And hello, this story to me is just like, what, what? But it's beautiful to see at the end that God did have a plan. You know, Blackaby encourages us. He says, when you're facing 
confusing circumstances, don't blame God. Don't give up following him. Go to God. Ask him to reveal the truth of your circumstances. Ask him to show you his perspective and then wait on the Lord. So our perspective is our view. And more often than not, our view is very limited and it's usually self-centered. I remember one time being summoned for jury duty and having an attitude of how inconvenient it was. And a judge came out and gave a little pep talk about how it's set up for we the people to come and decide these matters and how it helps to protect against corruption and unbalanced power and by the end of his speech I was proud and honored to be there for jury duty because he changed my perspective now I don't know if you've ever watched like Bob Ross or someone painting a picture and it's looking pretty good and then they start putting paint somewhere and you're like what are you doing you're ruining it (laughs) but your perspective is limited the artist has a perspective in mind and he knows that it might not look good at the moment but he's going to add more to it and he's got a plan and you get to a point where you learn to just trust the artist when it looks like they're starting to ruin the picture you know that they've got it under control they've got a plan they have a different perspective than we do right yep. have a little experience with that yes in exodus 5 and 6 moses did what god told him to do god told him to go to pharaoh and tell pharaoh to let the children of israel go but pharaoh refused and he made their work as slaves even harder than before moses had asked so the people of israel were upset with moses and they started criticizing him for causing them so much trouble but we see in exodus 6 12 that moses was so discouraged that he was actually ready to quit could you imagine but god was patient with moses and i'm so thankful for that because the Lord has also been patient with me. One of the things I say in my time of praise is thank you for your faithfulness because even though I've been so unfaithful in so much, he's always faithful. He's never let me down. God is so patient and he's so faithful. We see that in the story of Moses and we see in scripture that God took the time to reveal his perspective to Moses and I love that too. We actually see that God explained to Moses he wanted Pharaoh to resist so the people of Israel would be able to see God's mighty hand of deliverance. He wanted people to experience him as the great I am. And there's a lot we can learn from Moses's example. We don't need to blame God or give up following him. We need to ask him to reveal the truth of our circumstances to us. He explained it to Moses. I believe if we ask him from the place of our intimate relationship with him, that he'll help us understand also. Yes. Yes. And we cannot know the truth of our circumstances until we have heard from God. I wanted to share something, a personal story that goes along with Job's story. It had been a few years since my first husband had passed away and I had already been married and to my second husband and had two children at the time. And I took them to Furman University. I love going there on dates with God. And I had asked the Lord when I got out of the car with the two little kids, one was three, one was five. And I said, Lord, you say, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open. So I'm just asking you to just show up and meet with me here, even though I have the kids. And so I sat down at first and I was just looking at them and looking at my kids. And it was like the spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, look at my faithfulness in your life. And I just started crying because I was like, yes, Lord, you have been faithful. And so then I opened my Bible and it was opening straight to this Psalm, Psalm 71, 20. And it made me think of Job. And this is what it says. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. And so that's what he did for Job. Of course, I was not in the level of Job. (laughs) I didn't go through everything Job went through. 
through. But for me, it was a it joke was thing. Yeah. I mean, I lost everything. I lost my husband. Right. My income went down to 30%. I mean, so much change. And God carried me through. Right. And then he gives me this verse wow. and says, you know, this is my faithfulness. Yes. I did let you see a lot of bad things. I did let you experience many troubles and hard things, but I did restore your life yeah. again. And then you're looking at your children and I mean, yeah. how beautiful. Yeah. Wow. And so. what he gave you through that was a testimony. And for you to be able to use that right. in a way that God could be glorified. Yes. And right. to give hope. If you're listening right now, you're going through a mega storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been hard. You've lost so much. Troubles and troubles and troubles. God can restore your life. Just run to him. Just run to him. He will do it. He is faithful. And when he becomes the Lord of our life, I think it's important to think about what that means. That means he becomes the focus of our life. We often say Jesus has to be the Lord of our lives. Those can't just be words, you know, Mm -hmm. because what does that mean when he's the Lord of our life? It means that he's in charge. It means he's in charge of where we go, what we do, when we do it, and when we change directions. It really does. If we're honest about, you know, is he the Lord of our lives? We should be asking him about those things. So this is what it means that we have surrendered. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. Blackaby pointed out two words that cannot go together in the Christian language, and I agree with him, and it's no Lord. If we begin to see God's will, but we don't really mean thy will be done, then what we're really saying is thy will be done as long as it doesn't interfere with my will. Right. (laughs) You know? So we need to prepare our hearts in advance for that. We really do. We need to go ahead and settle this in our hearts. Even right now, begin to tell the Lord with all of our heart, Lord, whatever I know your will to be, I'll do it. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the adjustment, I am committing myself ahead of time to follow your will no matter what it looks like. I'll do it. That's a big commitment. But it's also an important one. That will lead us into a deeper walk with God. Matthew 5.37 says, If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Luke 16.10 says, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. When we make these commitments to the Lord in our heart, He expects us to stay committed. These are covenant vows that we make when we say, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to love you with all my heart. Help me to walk in your ways. That's a commitment that you're making to Him. It's not one foot in and one foot out. Right. He's not good with us being lukewarm. No. Well, and that's just how it should, even in our daily life. Are we committed to what we're doing, whether it's a stay-at-home mom, whether it's a businesswoman, you know, businessman? We can't just do it halfway because it's not done right. It's the same thing. And I love, like with what you just said, that's just how it should be. I love how practical God's word is for just how it should be. So there was also a section in this week's study that talked about spiritual markers. Henry Blackaby encouraged us to take a piece of paper and write down all of the things that you can remember that were times in your life where you knew God was work, where you could recognize the activity of God in your life. And that was pretty powerful for me because when I wrote it down, one of the observations that I had was I could actually pinpoint those times in my life where I knew I had wandered because I didn't see the activity of God anymore on my sheet of paper. There's a gap Mm -hmm. in certain places. And when I think about why is there a gap? I can remember I was living my life for myself. I'd gotten off the path. So that was that impacted me in a, in a neat way, just being able to look at that 
to look at that. Yeah, yeah well, look at the and the spiritual marker is where it identifies a time or transition, decision or direction when you clearly know that it was God guiding you, guiding me. And to me, it was actually maybe a little bit of the opposite because I started, you know, like when we have an encounter with God, you know, sometimes we just think of the ones that were our favorite in a way or whatever. But then when I did this exercise, it was like I was identifying more places that were markers in my life that I even knew I had. The, the first time I heard about a relationship with God, how that changed my life. You know, the first time I actually heard God speaking to me, that changed my life. Like so many different things that I wrote down that I didn't realize that were a marker in my life. Because we forget. It's our natural tendency to forget. forget. And that's where we see even in the Old Testament where the Lord was telling the Israelites every time he would help them with a victory or some sort of accomplishment, he wanted them to set up a monument or a marker, a spiritual marker. Mm -hmm. And he was telling them to do it so that they could teach their children so they would remember. Yeah, the generation. Knows our natural tendency is to forget him. I mean, I hate that. It's and it's so sad, but it's true. And that's what you were saying, Barbara. This mm-hmm. exercise is really great for anyone listening to take that sheet of paper and write these things down, even just to save it for yourself, so we don't forget. And we can look back on the faithfulness and, and the goodness of God in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the things that we are capable of forgetting. There are things that we think are so great. Oh, I'll remember this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm really good at starting things and not so great at finishing things. But one of the things that I have started is I have a document on my computer that is called encourage myself in the Lord because there was a time when David had to encourage himself in the Lord when he was getting pretty uh, discouraged with the circumstances of what was going on and he kind of had to remind himself of some things and so I think there are going to be times in our lives where we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord so times where people have spoken into my life that has been encouraging, you know, maybe something that they see or whatever the case may be. I mean, I will put in here, so-and-so said this on this date on Facebook or whatever the case may be. This person said this to me. And I also have a document on there called God Speaks to Me because like we were talking about earlier, sometimes we are encountering God and we Mm -hmm. don't realize that we're encountering God or sometimes we have encountered God, but we kind of forget about it. We will become discouraged and think, am I not one of your sheep? Am I not hearing your voice? What's going on? But we just need to be reminded that, yes, you have encountered God many times. And so to be able to have something that we can go back and look at, and that's why Blackaby encourages us to keep a spiritual journal and whatever that looks like for you, whether it's a document on your computer or or you're writing, right, or you're writing something down on a notebook, something to keep a record of it. Because no matter how much you think you will remember it when it happens, you won't. Don't trust yourself. (laughs) Yes. And the great thing, the journal idea is when you can go back and read to see where your heart was and also your prayer requests. And then you see God answer those prayers. Right. And in his timing. I've had journals for many years, but it was really cool to see a particular prayer that I prayed and he answered it two years to the date. Two years. I totally forgot that I had written that prayer. But when I was reading back through my journal, I saw that prayer and how he answered it two years to the date. So it was and really it neat. Cool. your heart. Yes, you know, it like, does. Wow. And then you do exactly what you were talking about earlier. You worship him and you say, thank you and yes. thank you and thank you. Yes, yes. One of the other things that Henry spoke about this week was how God speaks through the church. He pointed out that every member of the body of Christ needs to listen to what other members say. Sometimes we want to be an island to ourselves, don't we? Even when we're spiritual, even when we're in this relationship with God. But God did not create us to be an island. We are part of a body. He says, do not forsake 
the assembling together of yourselves. And it was for our own good. And not only for our own good, but we are important in the body. And that's what we see in scripture because God has a plan for us there and how he intended us to participate. The word of God tells us that he has placed every member according to his purposes where they're supposed to be. If members are not talking about what they sense God is doing in their midst, the whole body will be disoriented. We need to be discussing what God is doing in our lives with Mm -hmm. other believers because God might use that other believer, one, to bring confirmation in your life or to reveal something to you that maybe you just weren't paying attention to. It could be an opportunity for correction, teaching, encouragement, something, but he'll use his body to do it. I think it's also important to remember that the church is not just a physical building or a location. The church is a living, breathing body of God's true children. Collectively, we're each members of the body, and the Bible tells us that Jesus is the head of the body. So he's the head, and he's placed us where he wants us to be, and each member is functioning with some sort of ability that God has given them for some purpose that he is working out with his body. And that's all very important. And the body's not made up of just one part, but many. Scripture says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the whole point here is that God has put the body together. He can use us all for an instrumentality of his glory to accomplish his purposes in the earth. Henry Blackaby was pointing out that we need one another and fellowship within the body of Christ is important. A strand of two or three is not easily broken. How sad it is for the person who falls down by themselves and has no one to help lift them up. We have to recognize that the Lord will use the body to speak to us at different times as well, as he will also use prayer, circumstances, and the word of God. The way that he illustrates so neat and and it's so simple, but it's so deep at the same time, because you're talking about the different actual physical parts of the body. And it's so true. Like, how could we as a whole body even walk or see or anything without every other part of the body? You just quote scripture like, you know, so easy. My brain does not work like that. But I believe that God God has other things that I could communicate. I don't know what that is specifically, but I know that there's something that God um, will use in me to be able to communicate. You know, maybe it's not the exact words in the Bible, but I can tell you what's in the Bible. You know what I mean? So some people may be able to relate to that more than listening. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so, absolutely. And I think yes. it's for no- nobody's too small. That's Every right. part is important. Every, Every part. part. Just go hurt your pinky. And you will feel. <laughs> yes. If that is hurting, you cannot function right. I'm sorry. <laughs> like Every part of your body is important. I'm serious. Yes. If you can't hear, yeah. it's amazing. And like, it's we, we need one another. Yes. Yeah. Don't let the enemy discourage you exactly. in thinking that you have nothing for the body. Because you do. God has gifted every single one of his children. And you have things that he has for you to do that only you can do because there's only one you there's no other Barbara there's no other Mary there's no other Krista there's no other Karina and so I have let that lie sometimes depending on where I've been determine how I get involved and so I have to pray and also as a mom of four you have to pray and ask God you know in this stage of my life 
what is realistic for me to do for the body? Because it's going to look different at different times of your life, what you can do now and what you can do later. What just comes into my mind when you say that is maybe you're equipping the body by equipping your children. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So there's no task too small. I love this passage and I I don't want to leave it out because it wraps all that we're saying. And God used this passage to encourage me not to give up on meeting together with other believers. Because you know what? We're imperfect people and we sin. And I have met so many people that have stopped going to church because they had something ugly happen with members of the church. Right, and because so, they feel like it's hypocrisy. Exactly. Yeah, and right. then now they're letting that rob them of a relationship right. with God and also of being part of a body of Christ, of believers, where they can use their gifts. I've experienced that personally. I felt like I was around a bunch of hypocrites as well, and I wasn't encouraged at times in my life. The Lord spoke to my heart in my time with him, and he said clearly, don't look to them. They're going to let you down every time. They didn't go to the cross for you. I did. Amen. You know? And that we need to look to him always. And we can't be discouraged by the body because that's the reason he had to come. Because yes. of this imperfect body. Amen. So therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is Hebrews 10 verse 19 through 25. And let me just say, the day is coming, so that'll be a glorious day though. I'm excited Amen. for it. Mary, yeah. would you mind closing us up in prayer? Sure. Father, we're just so thankful for who you are, and we thank you for your great design that we see everywhere, Lord. We see it in nature, we see it within our own bodies, and we see it within the church, Lord. You've just created and designed everything so beautifully, and we just thank you for your word, and we thank you for revelation, Lord. And your word tells us in James that if we need wisdom to ask you, and that you will gladly give it to us. And so I just ask that you would pour out a spirit of wisdom upon your people, that you would teach us your word, and teach us to understand your word, and to help us to walk this out and to just be light to this world and we thank you for the love that you have for us and we just want to honor you in jesus name amen amen so if you would like to hear another podcast or play this one again you can find us at tourofTruth.com or you can find us on facebook we look forward to chatting with you